The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today, we are honored to have as our guest no less than Anita Lesko. She's pretty amazing. She's just coming out with a book about Temple Grandin, the stories I tell my friends. She founded an organization, and Anita herself is going to tell you how she was diagnosed with Asperger's at age 50. And Anita, I'll tell you what, you don't even look like you're 50 now. How did that happen? Well, thanks for that compliment. I love that when I hear that. Well, welcome to Exploring Different Brains. Why don't you introduce yourself better than I did to our audience? Hi, my name is Anita Lesko, and I'm 58 years old. I was diagnosed by chance when I was 50 with Asperger's. I had gone my whole life not knowing why am I so different, why do I not fit in anywhere, and have had endless social problems throughout my whole entire life and obstacles uh, to overcome and all kind of sensory issues that I thought I was like the only person on the face of the earth that had all this going on. And one night at work, I work as a certified registered nurse anesthetist. And I was at work and one of my co-workers had come in to the lounge at dinner time and she was crying. And, and I'm like, why, what's the matter? And she said, my son just got diagnosed with Asperger's. So I looked at her and I said, what is Asperger's? I had never even heard of it. Well, she handed me some papers and I started looking at them. And the top paper said it was like a little test. And it said, if you have 10 out of 12 of these symptoms, you have Asperger's. So as I read down the list, well, I had 12 out of 12. And at that moment, I realized I have Asperger's. And it was kind of like all the pieces of the puzzle of my whole entire life fell into place and suddenly made a picture. And it was a very overwhelming moment um, to realize, you know, your whole entire life just finally made sense in that moment. Well, I went to the store that night on my way home from work and got every book about Asperger's read all of them. I, by the morning, I knew without a doubt I have it. And then I went for a formal diagnosis to the same neuropsychologist that my friend had taken her son to, to get my formal diagnosis. Um, but I mean, that was just a formality. I already knew that I had it by that point. It was a very life-changing event. It, it just totally gave me a whole new course in life. Since that time, right after I got diagnosed, I wrote a memoir um, called Asperger's Syndrome When Life Hands You Lemons, Make Lemonade, because my whole life I was always making lemonade. But I became a very strong autism activist, and I'm fighting very hard for, for many things for everyone on the autism spectrum. So it keeps me pretty busy. I continue doing my day job as a nurse anesthetist doing uh, anesthesia for surgery. Um, I still work full time. I've been doing that for 30 years now. Um, last year for World Autism Awareness Day, 2017, I spoke at the United Nations as a guest speaker. That was a very uh, incredible, overwhelming, and honoring experience. And my latest book that just came out, as Dr. Reitman had just said, it was, it's called Temple Grandin, The Stories I Tell My Friends. Well, I've known Temple since about, two about 
2011, that's when I first met her just on the phone, then I met her in person in 2013. We became friends. After that, we talked periodically on the phone. Well, about a year ago, we were talking one day, and we had, Temple has a really hilarious sense of humor, and she had said something, and we both got into, like, such a laughing jag. Tears were, like, kind of running down my face, and I happened to be at work, and I had to get back to my cases to get going, and as I walked, then we hung up on conversation. As I walked back into the operating room, I thought to myself, you know, I wish the rest of the world could see Temple the way I see her, because they see her as the scientist, the researcher, the autism advocate, activist, and all that, but they don't see Temple the real person with her sense of humor and all her emotions and everything. So that afternoon, I called her and I said, hey, Temple, what would you think if I wrote a book about you? Well, from there, it evolved. And over the next about six months, I interviewed her for over 60 hours. Um, I'd sit at my kitchen table with my recorder on, and, and we would just start talking. At first, we just didn't really have a pattern. We just kind of start talking about anything. And but one thing would always lead to another. We can start out talking about Temple collecting seashells on the beach when she was a child to going to Kennedy Space Center and watching a SpaceX launch and almost parking in Elon Musk's parking spot. I mean, so the conversations would range from one extreme to another. But it was very exciting. It was a personal journey for myself, but it also brought out the true essence of Temple and people are going to be, I think people are really going to be shocked. They're going to be thrilled, amazed, and, and be laughing, crying, and all that various things in between when they read this book. Because it's like Temple, like you've never seen her before. I can't wait to read the book, I got to tell you. Because knowing her just a bit, as I do, you know, being on the speaking tour with her and different things. And uh she is uh, one unique individual, as you know better than I. Um, getting to something I want to ask you about, why is it that it seems to me that women get the short end of the stick, they don't get diagnosed till later, and I know you were just on a Different Brain Spectrumly Speaking podcast recently with uh, Becca Laurie, one of our board members who uh, has Asperger's, as well as Dr. Uh, uh, Kate Cody, but um, speak a bit about, particularly about women, your perception of this whole thing. You know, I think females tend to be a little more social to start off with. Now, I know some people I hear females on the spectrum who talk about they, they try to pretend to be normal. Well, because I didn't know I'm on the spectrum until I'm 50, I didn't even know to try and pretend anything. I just was myself. Um, and, and I just think, I mean, oh, of course I was always, you know, the, the oddball, the, the weirdo, the eccentric person in the workplace and, and all that kind of thing. And I didn't know why, and nobody else knew why either. But I think that the whole issue of that females are a little bit more, um, vocal, tend to be a little more nurturing. So I think that kind of combined kind of brings out a little more social interaction than, than males. Um, that's the reason why. Tell us how you got into your work as an anesthetist. I think, well, it actually kind of found me. Um, I was ready. I was in my third year working on my Bachelor of Science in Nursing, and I used to be into ice dancing. And I was doing a practice session with my ice dancing partner, and we were doing some really fast footwork. 
trying to be all really fancy. And um, we, we both kind of tripped ourselves and were flying on the ice. And I heard my left arm snap as I hit the ice. And I felt this, you know, not a pretty feeling in my arm. So I look at my arm and I realize, oh, boy, I broke my radius and ulna. So I got up off of the ice and I kind of held my hand under my the fracture. I kind of actually reduced the fracture myself because I kind of pushed it back up into place. I, I walk into the office at the ice arena and I say, I need to call an ambulance. I need to go to the emergency room. And they're like, why? And I said, because I broke my arm. And they said, what do you mean you broke your arm? So I let my hand go. My arm like dropped down. I there was screaming. I thought it was pretty funny. I have a very high pain tolerance. That's one of the characteristics, as I then learn, of people on the spectrum. And so anyway, so I'm at the emergency room, and we're uh, waiting for the, sur the orthopedic surgeon to show up. And the uh, anesthesiologist was already there, and he's talking to me, and he says, you know, what do you do? And I said, I'm a, a nursing student. Oh, okay, well, wh what do you want to do with your nursing degree? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, just graduate and start working as a nurse. And he said, um, why don't you go to be a nurse anesthetist? So I'm looking, I'm like, what's that? I had never even heard of it, kind of like the Asperger thing. And um, he's just, he explained to me what it is. And so I started, it, it struck my fancy a whole lot. It sounded like very intriguing to put people to sleep and keep them asleep and everything. So I started researching that, like, you know, by going to the library. That Back then there wasn't like, you didn't Google things online. So you had to do old-fashioned researching and make a phone call. So I had applied to uh, Columbia University to their master degree program for that. And then I had gotten accepted, and as soon as, well, after I graduated with my Bachelor of Science in, in Nursing, you had to have two years critical care experience as a nurse, um, plus two years of basically the same thing as pre-med courses, like organic chemistry and physics and all this thing. So I started work doing all, getting those courses done. I worked full-time as a nurse in an emergency trauma center while I was getting all those degrees. And then I started at Columbia University in um, 1986, graduated in 1988, took my board exam, passed it, started working full-time ever since. Now it's 30 years. Wow. Well, it's a good thing you didn't have me as your orthopedic surgeon because I would have talked you into becoming an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now, on your website, AnitaLesko.com, um, you comment how you are a medical professional on the autism spectrum. Um, there's a popular show on, The Good Doctor, and I just want to uh, ask you your feelings about how those on the spectrum are depicted in the media and on TV and in movies and so forth. From, you know, I don't get to watch, I don't even own a television. My husband and I never watch TV, never have any time. So we actually gave our TV away. But I have watched a couple of uh, episodes of The Good Doctor, which I, I wrote an article about myself called, um, um, here's my version of The Good Doctor. And I, the title of it is called um, The Good Anesthetist. Because it's kind of like, you know, um, they're, they're depicting and people, when I, I love to look at the Facebook page for that show. Because it's kind of funny, I'm reading it while parents and people are writing, oh, wow, this is so grand. Just, they're showing, the media is showing somebody who has autism who could actually be a medical professional. And I'm like, yeah, hello, I've been one for 30 years. <laughs> as, as well as about 
20% of neurosurgeons, I would say, are probably on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah there you go. You're right. And I like your, you know, our friend Temple Grandin says, look, Hacky, I speak at commencement, graduations, all over the country at these engineering schools. And I'm going to tell you, it's a big percentage of them are on the spectrum, you know. Yeah. So in the, in the medical community, I know as an orthopedic surgeon, we didn't get too many Aspies in orthopedics because they were a lot smarter than us. So they went into things like neurosurgery stuff. But, uh, you know, we see when I when I gave the first neurodiversity uh, talks at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, I said, look, you're already treating them. You just don't recognize what it what who they are. You know, that that young boy that you thought was so poorly behaved because when you turned on that cast saw, he went out of his mind. That wasn't poor parenting. That's, you know, maybe you should have used fiberglass instead of, I mean, used a plaster instead of fiberglass and let them soak it off, you know, kind of thing. Or I should have sent them to a needle less go because she knows how to reduce the fractured radius and ulna. <laughs> um, what, what do you think is the biggest single thing that gets overlooked? Like say, I'm a female, I'm an adult, I just get diagnosed with Asperger's. What is the biggest advice you would give to that individual? Well, first let me back up a second. Well, I'm gonna finish, I didn't really answer your question before about the medical shows. Well, when I watched The Good Doctor, I, I love what they, how they make Freddie Highmore portray autism, except I think that they need, I wish they'd have actually more of him in the, on the episodes as opposed to all the, you know, the, the romance is going on. I know everybody loves that part, but Freddie, he doesn't have enough on there on every episode as I'd like to see him on there. Um, but they also need to put some real life um, stuff of what goes on in an operating room with an autistic person being in that operating room. Because um, I, I wish somehow I can contact those folks and, and share some things with me that I think would really make great episodes for them to have to depict him in the same scenarios that I've actually been in. But now, you ask about the females getting diagnosed. Well, what I see is, is an is a incredible problem. Research and surveys show that healthcare professionals lack the adequate knowledge that they need about autism and how to, how to deal with these this population, how to communicate with this population, to know how to properly treat them and how to interact with them. Well, autistic adults recognize that immediately. And what do they do? They avoid going to healthcare professionals because of the fact that they get marginalized, they actually get, I mean, it's so negative. Myself, personally, I've had one after another negative experiences with, with doctors and, and that type of thing. And everyone that I've talked to, it's the same thing. And I even hear parents saying that about their children, doctors that they go to with their, their maybe little older children or, or teenagers. You get marginalized. You, some of those doctors look at you and they think you're lying. You're, you're delusional about your symptoms and everything. <clears throat> and healthcare professionals need to be educated about it. Now, I wrote that book that recently came out called The Complete Guide to Autism and Healthcare. 
and I wrote in such a fashion that it could be used as like a textbook for medical students, nursing students, um, all healthcare professionals, dentists, um, anybody who has any kind of interaction with patients, that book, because I'm autistic and use my autism and my medical um, background of 30 plus years and use combine those two together to write this book to build that bridge between the autistic community and the medical community to bring it together so that there would be an understanding. Um, because the people on the spectrum, I just, like, I, I just listen to these stories. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of deja vu of my own experiences, but it, it's just, it, it needs to change. It needs to change soon because what will happen if you don't change this and start, and this is 2018. It's like as if, like if doctors didn't know how to treat diabetes or hypertension and, and then the patients who have that come to them for help, well, they don't understand, well, you know, and then, then you've got people getting disease processes that are getting out of control. Well, sooner or later, it's going to become a burden on society because then when their disease process gets to the point where they have to be hospitalized or whatever, medical bills will skyrocket and the government's going to have to pick up that for those people. So let's do preventive and educate people and and start from there but it has to start somewhere soon with educating healthcare providers um anita how can people find out more about you on my website at anitalesco.com um and yes and and i i'm actually going to be speaking at many conferences with temple grandin uh, future horizons the publisher of my book um, has us lined up for, you know, various places around the country. So I'll be kind of jet-setting around with Temple doing these presentations. And, and I have to say, I do very, very different kind of presentation than, than uh, a typical um, presenter. And I kind of put on a show in the beginning, which seems to really entertain the audience. I, I can't give anything away, but I'll just say that People are kind of, by the time I make my grand entrance, people are cheering and thinking this is like really exciting. And I, I just eat it all up doing it. It's just something different. And um, it's just very entertaining. Now, you had this rare opportunity. I can't even imagine what it's like to address the whole world at the UN conference. Tell us about that. That was a very overwhelming experience. Um, when, when I got the invitation, I can remember I'm looking at it like, wow, oh wow, oh my gosh. Um, then I remember the day when it was the actual event. It was March 28, 2017. It was, a, um, it was pretty cold in Manhattan. I think it was 36 degrees and it was uh, a very light rain because I kept expecting to see snowflakes coming down. And I remember walking up to the building, to the United Nations, and I just stopped and I looked at it, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm going in that building to talk. You had to go through a security, just like at an airport. Once you went through to the, you know, the, 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 that way, you had to go through the whole security checkpoint. Then I made my way into the big, huge room where, where you always see events that are televised from the United Nations, and I walked in there, and, and I guess I just, I didn't think about it, but I wasn't expecting it. And I'm looking around, and I happen to see my name, like, placard lit up with my name on it. 
right in the front. And I was like, I, I took pictures of that because I, I couldn't quite believe that there are, my name was in the United Nations all lit up in lights. So after that kind of sunk in, then when it was my turn, it was actually on a panel. Um, and the theme was dating relationships in marriage. And Karen Zucker, um, the ABC journalist, world news correspondent, and she's the co-author with John Donvan on that book called um, In a Different Key, The History of Autism. She was the moderator of my panel. And so we all, when it was our turn, we all got up, walked across, uh, and sat up on the panel. And I look around the room, and there I think there was on the four or 5,000 people sitting there. I glanced up and I see windows with cameras up in there and I knew that it was going to be televised around the world live stream. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to do what I always do. I talk from my heart. I never prepare anything. I just talk from my heart. And I was the last one that she asked the question to. So I'm sitting there. Oh, boy, it's coming. So I can remember when she she turned to me and said, um, so Anita. So. You seem to be the expert at this because you've accomplished it all. You have a career, you're married, you know, and all this. What's the secret? What is your secret? So I just started off talking about it. I think I talked for, it's about four and a half minutes because it's on my website. People can hear, you know, my actual presentation there at the, at the United Nations. But it, and, you know, and just seeing all those people that were there and listening to all these people from around the whole world that were united there and talking about what they're doing to help people on the autism spectrum and and just the overwhelming feeling that, that there's so many people that are working together to, to make things better for everybody's life, that, that was just absolutely overwhelming. Well, congratulations in that you're out there, you're motivating, you're inspiring, and you've got this book coming out, Temple Grandin, the stories I tell to my friends, and your other works and your other books and all that you're doing. Give us some pearls of wisdom now as we close out this episode. My biggest words of wisdom, two things. Don't focus on the fact you're autistic. Forget it. Forget about it. You know, think of what you want to do, what you want to accomplish and use all your focus of energy on achieving your dreams. Just, just totally forget the autism thing. Okay. And, and about that saying again, I'll leave everybody with that to remember it by John Bon Jovi. Success is falling nine times and getting up 10. Never give up. Anita Lesko, thank you so much for being with us here. Thank you. My pleasure. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.